This is episode 41 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Amy Elizabeth. Amy grew up in South Florida, surrounded by beaches, horses, and lots of sunshine. Before becoming a full-time writer, she also worked as a bartender and a massage therapist. She's lived and traveled all over the world and loves to share her passion for horses and travel through her writing. When she's not busy writing, you'll find her hanging out with her husband and planning her next voyage abroad. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horsebook authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horsebook. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horsebooks, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Today I am so excited to have fellow equine author Amy Elizabeth on the show. I absolutely love her books and can't wait to get into the interview so you can learn about her too. Hi Amy. Hi Carly. Oh, that's so great. And you are coming to us from Spain, right? I've, I've interviewed people in all sorts of like cool places. Amy is like a world traveler, which we're going to talk about in this interview too, but you're coming to us from Spain, right? Yes. Live from, from Barcelona. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. So this is my first interview from Spain. So getting into the interview here, one of my favorite things to always ask uh, authors when they join the show is the best question on earth. How did your love affair with horses begin? <laughs> For me, I think it was just something I was born with, honestly. There was no history in my family with horses. Um, I don't think that my parents had even seen a horse before I came <laughs> along. But I just, I can look back at like my earliest childhood photos and like, you know, there I am as a toddler on a pony ride at the fair or, you know, I'm taking a trail ride on summer vacation. It was just, it was just always something that I loved and was drawn to. Um, finally, when I was thinking about fifth grade, I managed to talk my parents into riding lessons. So I did that for a year or so and then signed up for one of those week-long summer camps that all horsey girls love to do. And found out at the end of the week that the beautiful Arabian horse that I had ridden that week was for sale. Ooh. So of course, I go home, mommy, daddy, guess what? My horse is for sale. And they didn't know any better and neither did I really, but <laughs> he ended up becoming my horse and I, I had him for uh, 15 years and he was a wonderful friend and companion and uh, I miss him a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, that, that was just it for me. I mean, he was such a big part of my life that on my wedding day, I came riding into the ceremony on, on my horse. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, that's like a dream come true. How amazing your childhood horse, you know, taking you basically down the aisle to adulthood. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. amazing. So funny. So many other authors have said they're just kind of born with it and their parents don't know where it came from. I, I think there's like this secret gene, particularly with uh, women <laughs> that we might come out of the womb with that just attracts us to these amazing animals. And you were one of the lucky ones mm. that, that got a horse at a young age. And yeah. I I think that that having a horse in a young person's life teaches responsibility, connection, empathy, compassion, putting something before yourself. I mean, it's, I think the best, uh, the best 
gift a, a young person can have. Would you agree with that? I, I, I do agree. It kept me out of trouble for a long time. <laughs> for sure. And, you know, I wasn't interested in boys until I think like college because of, because of the horses. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> this is another really cool, this is a cool thing that I was interested in having you on the show because you have a serious case of wanderlust, which is, which is very cool. You have, and it has taken you all over the world. You've traveled extensively throughout the Americas, Europe, Asia, and Oceania, and you now actually live abroad, obviously, because we're talking from Spain. Can you tell us a little bit about your adventures and, and, and why you decided to live this really cool lifestyle where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're like totally part of the gig economy here, uh, <laughs> living the life you choose. So can you tell us a little bit about that decision? <laughs> well, it, um, half the time it feels cool and the other half of the time we feel like we're a little bit crazy. <laughs> I first fell in love with traveling in high school. We did a class trip here to Spain, ironically enough, and that just kind of sparked this, this lifelong interest in wanting to see as many places as possible. So in my early 20s, um, when I was still single, I did a lot of solo travel around Europe. Then I met my husband who hadn't traveled as much, but was really interested in it too. So we're like, hey, while we're you know young and have the circumstances, let's make the most of it. About a year after we got married, we packed up a few backpacks and took off. Went backpacking through Southeast Asia and China for about six months. Ended up all the way down in New Zealand, uh, got work visas to stay there for a year. That was awesome. Uh, it's actually where I started writing Cut and Run, but I guess we'll, we'll chat more about that later. Ooh, um, I can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, like I, well, um, the reason why I asked this first is because I think some of your travels may have inspired some of the, the things going on in your books, particularly uh, Dead Heat. So, you know, that's coming yeah. next. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I just, um, I mean, grow, I grew up in Florida. My husband and I both, he had never even seen snow when, when we landed in New Zealand. And we just, just really fell in love with the whole mountain culture. And, and everything about it. So when we got back to the U.S., uh, we ended up living in Colorado for four years, which was awesome. Loved that too. Um, we've been fortunate. We've lived in some really cool places that we've really loved. Then in 2015, he actually had a job offer come up in Malaysia, which we had visited in our backpacking days. And we're like, oh, that sounds exciting. So let's go try that. The job ended up falling through pretty much as soon as we got there. Um, oh <laughs> so, but we were already there and kind of committed to the idea. We had some friends living in Bangkok and they're like, hey, why don't you come up here? We know a lot of people. We can probably get you set up with some things. Mm -hmm. We ended up in Thailand for uh, over three years, which I mean, if you had asked me never in a million years, would I have thought that I would live someplace like that? Yeah, it was really cool. So we just, um, and we, we taught English, we worked online, we did some volunteer work, and of course, traveled around as much as we could. So it, yeah, it was, it was a really neat experience. And then last year, finally had to come back to the States for a little bit, just kind of regroup. And then the door opened up for, for Europe, which I especially was excited about because I, you know, I fell in love with it here 20 years ago and, and here I am. <laughs> so it's cool. <laughs> that is so awesome. Like how great is it that you, that you met someone too, that, that shares your affinity for, you know, taking on these adventures and traveling and, and there's something to be said for not being afraid to step into something and it can be done right like you're living yeah. proof that you can uh do things non-conventionally and it and it works and it and and, and you can write from anywhere right so mm -hmm. that, that is so cool so so you you mentioned that you started your first book cut and run uh the first book in the aspen eye series while mm -hmm. 
traveling while you were in New Zealand. I think this is a great opportunity to segue into your, your book, how maybe your travel catered to your author lifestyle or actually infused some of your stories. So can, would you start off um, telling us about your books and then we can dive a little deeper into how they bubbled up in your mind. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> I think sometimes um, we all are. <laughs> yeah, all right. So no, I mean, writing, it just, it had always been a hobby. And, you know, I, I dabbled around with sh some shorter stories before, but I don't know, something something happened. So we, we had just moved to New Zealand and we were working at a hotel. We were actually living at the hotel and working these crazy hours. It was actually like one of the worst jobs I've ever had, <laughs> day jobs. <laughs> Um, but I would work these like insane double shifts all day and, you know, in the, in the bar, the restaurant. And then I would go upstairs and I would just be awake all night writing because, so the idea for cut and run actually started from a nightmare that I had wow. one night when we were there, I, I had this really vivid, terrifying dream that somebody was stalking me and I, I didn't know who it was, you know, and I woke up and, you know, my heart was racing and, but I just, once I calmed down, I laid there and I was like, that would make a really interesting premise for a book. You know, I had never thought about doing like a mystery suspense thing, but yeah, something, I don't know, something sparked out of that dream. So I had to figure out where to set it. At that point, I had never been to Wyoming, but I had always been drawn to the area because it's, mm -hmm. it's the West and the mountains and the horses. And so it was fun doing all that research, you know, and then choosing, um, you know, Rebecca, my main character. She's kind of a bad girl, East Coast from the city, you know, <laughs> and she ends up out West. So playing, you know, like bad girl meets good guy, and you know, the East Coast culture versus West culture. Yeah, so it was just, it was a lot of fun to explore. <laughs> <laughs> with that yeah I mean somehow it it, it just kind of came together in kind of a manic way first of all I, I, I love cut and run I love the Aspen Eye series and I, I actually I love all your books like you are I'm so excited to have you on the show today because you are actually the equestrian fiction author who made me realize oh I can do this too I can you know because I did there's always Google searching or not Amazon searching for horse books, horse books. And your book consistently always came up to the top. And I, and I bought Cut and Run and I devoured it. And then I picked <laughs> up all the rest of your horse books and, I, and I, I took them on vacation and they were the perfect vacation reads. Like I read uh, Dead Heat while I was in Aruba and I was just having <laughs> time with it. But what I love about, uh, let's go back to the Aspen Eye series, is that Rebecca is this, yeah, East Coast, you know, kind of tough girl, you know, goes out west to, to the ranch where there's, you know, the cowboy lifestyle and she knows nothing mm -hmm. about horses and gets involved in the horse world, which, which is such a cool premise and you told it so well. So yeah, so let's like, let's like dive a little further into to the Aspen Eye series. So it starts with Cut and Run and then the journey continues through two other books, which is really cool. You want to tell us a little bit more about the series? Yeah, so it, um, I mean, I, I had no intention of writing a series. I mean, Cut and Run just kind of happened, and it, I did kind of write it as a standalone book, you know, but after, after it was published and, you know, reviews started coming in and people just, they loved the characters, they loved the story, and everybody's like, where are the sequels? Where are the sequels? And I was like, 
sequels. I wasn't really <laughs> planning on doing any sequels. The you know the manic phase kicked in. I sat down. I wrote. I wrote and published Indian Summer and Showdown in eleven months, and had the whole series published in under a year. So that okay. That's like incredible like unheard of <laughs> obviously the manic writing works for you and the muse, like the muse was the muse kicked you first for the first book and you kind of mm-hmm. were like the dream drove that book and you got it out there and then your readers spurred you on to get the other two books out which you did in in 11 months so did you sleep like what what was your manic style to get those books written and out too in 11 months. That's like amazing. I wish I could write like that. <laughs> no, no, you don't because it, it basically turns you into a crazy person. Um, you know, if, if you don't believe me, ask my husband. No, I, I, I so admire the writers who, you know, have a schedule and they wake up every morning and they say, okay, I'm going to sit down at, you know, and I'm going to write from 7am to 9am and then I'm going to go about the rest of my day. Cause that, that just, that doesn't work for me when I get, when I get pulled into a story, you know, and I'm really getting into, you know, the, the nitty gritty with my characters, trying to figure them out and doing their backstory. And I mean, I will, I'll be awake for days. I, I won't sleep. I won't eat, you know, frozen dinners, maybe if, if I'm lucky, but I mean, it's, it's not glamorous. It's not romantic. It's just, um, yeah, the, the rest of the world just kind of disappears, you know, when I get really, really deep into the story, but that's, I don't know. It it works for me. I've I've tried to you know sit down and structure it. Okay, well I'm just going to write you know 500 words a day or something. And it's just you know it just if it kicks in and it takes over, then you know I'm I'm off and running. So well spoken like a true artist. I mean that you are you are involved. <laughs> you are absorbed in your work, and you know. But but you make, you make a great point. You know you tried the other way, and that just doesn't work for you. And and, mm-hmm. and you know you have to go with what works for you when you're writing Mm -hmm. a book you know everybody's got a different style you can try different things and see what works but clearly for you all in is the best way to do it and you know you may come out a little crazy on the other side having not (laughs) slept but look at what you accomplished right like you just went with it and followed what was working for you and you came out with two two books to complete a series in 11 months that's based on reader feedback that's like incredible and by the way uh amy's books are very highly reviewed and rated on Amazon, which is why I discovered you. And, you know, and, and since then, it's been really neat. We've, we've actually developed like an author friendship. Um, Amy came out to Arizona and she rode Sissy and we visited and I took her to my favorite Mexican place and we had some great Mexican food and, and we talked back and forth, you know, and she, she's been a support around my books. You've been a beta reader for me and, and offered, you know, some feedback, which has been extremely helpful. So I just, I really appreciate like how beautiful our, our friendship has turned out having me just read your book and reached out and said, I really love your work and how great you were coming back to me and saying, you know, Hey, you know, just developing a relationship. Like, so that's, that's, a, that's the really neat thing about, about horsebook authors too. I think I really yeah. enjoyed that part of our relationship. <laughs> well, and it's, it's cool for me too, because I mean, I never, I mean, I just stayed up all night and started writing a story. It was never, you know, my idea to, Oh my gosh, I have to go publish this and sell a million copies and make all these fan. It just, that wasn't really my motivation for doing it. So, um, so when I do hear positive feedback from that, that, you know, that people like my stories and my characters. And that's, that's really cool. Makes me feel good. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And so we've, we've, and it's true. I mean, you, you, and you talk about this a little bit in one of the questions I ask you later, but, but, you know, I don't want to leave people 
listeners hanging ab- around the Aspen Eyes series. So is, is there a way that you could deliver like a quick wrap up summary of kind of what this series is about for uh, readers who haven't read it yet and are interested in, in learning more? Can you do like a, a long line or a quick summary for, for this series so people know where, what the story is all about? Okay, that's like the worst question in the world to ask an author, but here we go. <laughs> I know, it's so, it's so hard. It's like, how do you describe your book without, you know, getting deep? Because you're so connected to it too, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, they, they call them log lines in the movie business where you're trying, you have to pitch your book in one line, which is like yeah. so hard. We're talking about 90,000 words here, folks. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so you, yeah, so I'm sorry. I asked you a very different No, question. it's fine. <laughs> okay, basic premise of the book. Rebecca is from Boston. She's about to graduate college. Kind of run with a rough crowd, um, had a bit of a rough life. She finds herself in a really scary situation that she has to get out of fast. So she kind of heads west. Um, She has a family member that lives in Wyoming. So she moves out there and ends up landing a job at a horse ranch, which is something she's always been interested in, but never had the chance to to be around. She meets Alec, who is, in my opinion, a perfect man. <laughs> kind of in love with him. <laughs> I'm kind of in um, love with him too. Nice job. He's kind of in love with him. Yeah, and she just, you know, she slowly gets pulled into his world, and they are, they are from very, very different worlds, but they, you know, they eventually bring out the best in each other. I'll stop there. If you yeah. want to know more, you'll have to read the series. <laughs> yeah, it, that, you did a great, a great job recapping the series. That was, that was really perfect. And, you know, you follow the adventures of some other characters on the ranch too, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I would add that it's a story, which is also what I say about In the Rains, my In the Rain series. It's a story of mystery, suspense, and romance. Mm-hmm. Enter handsome cowboy, right? Yeah, as as a woman kind of discovers herself. Yeah, I loved it. It was, it was so good. And that was a perfect recap. And I'll, of course, link to... Aspen Eyes series in the show notes so people can check out your books and go find them. Uh, You know, and I wanted to also talk a little bit about Dead Heat. Dead Heat Mm. is a standalone novel and I devoured it. Like I absolutely (laughs) loved it. When I was finished with the Aspen Eyes series, I'm like, what else has she written? There's got to be more out there. Um, And then I found Dead Heat, which is a very good book in and of its own right. And it's totally different from where you went with the Aspen Eyes series. Let's talk a little bit about Dead Heat. And I totally see your travel, your world travel showing up inside of, of this book. So I'm going to ask you the difficult question. Give us a little summary of Dead Heat. And then let's talk about how maybe your, the, your travel infused writing that one. And where were you at the time? Where was I at the time? I was in Colorado when I wrote that. Um, ironically, it was before I lived in Thailand, which is You're funny kidding. because about half the book is set in Thailand. Yeah, um, I did yeah. not know that. I thought it was, I thought it was directly right. Almost, it's almost like you have like this premonition about where you're going to wind up or something. <laughs> it could, could be. No, I just, I, I wanted to just go a different direction because it was, with my series, it was, you know, pretty much just all set on this ranch and, you know, and it, that's a fun setting in a way, but you know, I, I have this wanderlust and I do love to travel. And part of me has always dreamed about, you know, maybe, you know, being a journalist or being a photographer and, you know, getting paid to travel the world, which is, you know, kind of how I set up my main characters. Uh, That was really fun to bring that element into it. uh, You know, the main love interest in it. Um, I set that other half of the story in Florida and around thoroughbred racing. Um, I made him a horse trainer, which I've always thought thoroughbred racing is really cool. Again, something I never personally got to, you know, get into as a job. So yeah, I just, for me, it was, 
definitely a lot, a lot heavier on the mystery side. You've got a character with amnesia trying to figure out, you know, who she is. And, you know, you've got another couple that are kind of reluctantly getting involved, but you don't really know what their backstory is. There, there's a lot of layers to peel down through it. And then, of course, everybody ends up being connected somehow, and, and you've got to figure that out as the reader. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I had fun with it. It was, it was very different than, than Aspen Eyes. I, I really enjoyed working on that, too. Yeah, oh, it was, it was such a great read. I, I really enjoyed it. And then you don't only just write horse books. You also have a fifth book that you had written. You want to talk a little bit about that one, too, just so, so people can see uh, you don't have to stick just in the equestrian vein. Like, you mm -hmm. can expand as a writer and, and do something, something else, which you have. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, for me, writing is a way to, I think, experience things that I never would get the chance to experience probably because there's only so many things you can do in, in your own lifetime. And something else I was always really interested in, especially when I was younger, was theater and dance. Um, I took ballet for years before I discovered horses. And then, well, that was the end of that. <laughs> I did start one book of supposedly a three book series about um, my main character is a, um, she's a retired dancer. Her husband is an airline pilot, so again, throw, kind of throwing in the the travel element. And then I I have this kind of quirky uh, third character who's a, a male actor that everybody in the world is in love with, you know, except our our main girl, of course. She doesn't see it. it I set it in LA, you know, in a big city, um, so a very different setting, just different types of characters. So I have. I have those sequels on the back burner for now. We've we've had a very busy couple of years, so I would like to to get back and finish their stories. That's so that's so great. Well, you have like five really awesome books out there, and the the possibility for continuation. And that's the thing about writing; it's sometimes okay to take a break and a breather mm -hmm. and focus in another area because it's always going to be there, and and you can come back to it when you're ready. Like right now, the focus of your life is travel. Your books frequently make other horse book authors must read lists. I know you're on my must read list. And how, you know, like, how does that make you feel? Like you said, it was like a hobby. You never really expected them to like take off the way they have, but you know, how does that make you feel to have other horse lovers like recommend your books so regularly? Um, it's, it's flattering. It's never anything that I would have, you know, thought of sitting in that hotel room at three in the morning, you know, starting to write this story that it turns out a lot of people were actually really going to like. The best thing an author can hear is that, you know, their, their work is appreciated and that people, you know, connected to their characters. So that's, that's great. You know, it's a really good feeling. Yeah. Well, and congratulations because that's not an easy, an easy feat. So, you know, you're doing, you're obviously doing something right. Um, but there's also kind of like a segue to that question because I asked you when I was, you know, pulling together questions for this interview, what, advice that you would share for aspiring authors so mm. so even though you made these lists you still have some you have you have a, like a sidebar to that which is which is the advice that you'd offer for authors mm. w w will you talk to us a little bit about that I, I guess what came to my mind first was you you have to write for yourself I mean first and foremost you have to enjoy the story that you're writing you have to enjoy the characters that you're creating they have to be the kind of people that you would want to hang out with and, and be friends with it's you know if if you're not that invested in your characters if they aren't that real to you then they're they're not going to feel real to your readers either they'll they'll just end up being very one dimensional and and very flat that's I mean I, I love to read of course but I I find often that 
I have a hard time connecting with, with certain characters just because they, you know, the author didn't go that deep with them. They didn't really dig in there, develop, you know, who, you know, who are these people? What made them tick? Why are they reacting the way they are to whatever you're throwing at them in the story? So I think that, you know, if you, if you really want to write a compelling story, you've just, you have got to get down to the heart of your characters. Even if you don't use all the bits of their backstory, you don't have to include it. In, in the finished product, but you as the author have to know that, you know, so with every little plot twist, you don't have to wonder, hmm, now, you know, how, how would Bob react to this? You know how Bob is going to react to it because you already know what he's like, you know, and, and really your characters just kind of end up taking on a life of their own. That's how my characters have, have always been for me, so. Yeah, and I, that totally makes a lot of sense, you know, like get to know your characters intimately have a relationship with your characters when you're mm -hmm. writing the story. And then I love, I love how you said, write for yourself first. Like don't mm -hmm. write, write for someone else or how somebody else might like something like, like write for you. And then mm -hmm. that's clearly worked, right? Like you, you wrote for yourself, you got to know your characters and then your books have been very, very successful. That's awesome advice for aspiring authors. I wanted to ask too, is it like, you know, since we're kind of talking in the, in the advice section, is there something you wish you had known when you sort of started out on your, your author journey? I, I did have an interesting experience a few years ago. I, um, I actually had the opportunity to go to a ranch in Wyoming and go on a cattle drive there, which is something that I portray in Cut and Run, but again, never thought I would have the chance to do in real life. So that was that was a really neat retrospect experience for me um, mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, there's actually a lot of things I would have written differently. Cause I mean, I, I, I knew it would be a lot of hard work, but I just had absolutely no idea like how hard these ranchers actually work. And especially now in the 21st century, you know, this really kind of archaic lifestyle that they are still managing to, you know, to, to continue with as their livelihood. It was, it, it gave me really just a, a new appreciation for something that, you know, previously was only in my imagination. So mm. that was, that was a neat experience. So, so maybe, I mean, you wrote, I would never have thought that you hadn't been on a kettle drive when, <laughs> when I read, when I read the book, but but so, you know, you, you, like, had you been on the, the kettle drive before you wrote the book, you might have infused it with some, some different experiences that you did have. I've always wanted to go on a, a kettle drive on a ranch. Like, how did that come about? Like, how awesome? Like, the, and was it like a full-on working ranch where you got to go and, and, you know, rope the cattle and have coffee over the fire? I actually just ended up kind of meeting this family through mutual friends in Colorado. Their daughter had married a guy who was, he was a fifth generation rancher. They had 10,000 acres up there. They obviously breed their own cattle. Um, they breed quarter horses, a beautiful, beautiful buckskin stallion that, you know, is their stud for their whole herd. So I mean, just getting up there to to visit them was awesome enough. Um, and then I got an invitation to come back because every year, so they have, like I said, 10,000 acres. So kind of one end is the homestead and then they've got, you know, miles and miles of flat. And then they actually own a bunch of land that's like on the side of this mountain and that's where their summer pastures are. So uh -huh. every, at the beginning of the summer, they have to move all their herd over to the summer pastures and then they bring them back down in the fall. So 
they invited me to go with them on that. And I was like, yes, sign me up. <laughs> How cool. That is so, so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was cool. But I mean, it was, it was, I mean, up at three or four in the morning and you're just, you are in the saddle all day and you wake up and you can hardly move the next day because you're so sore and everything aches. But guess what? You have to get right back in the saddle and do it all again. So what a cool experience. And then, you know, and I wanted to touch back, like you always find ways to infuse horses in into your travel, even though you're not, you know, able to you know, bring, a, bring a horse across the ocean mm -hmm. and all the different places that you travel, but you always infuse horses into your life because it's there for you and you love it. Yeah. So, so can you tell us a couple other like really cool, like travel horse experiences that you've, that you've had? Well, we spent almost four years in Southeast Asia. So I got to do um, quite a few rides there um, on Thailand, rode on a couple different beaches. So that mm. was really fun. I did a ride in Cambodia where we rode through like some flooded rice paddies and then passed these like thousand year old temples. And then two years ago, um, my all-time dream trip, we got to visit Egypt, uh, which I had always wanted to go to. And pretty much every day for two weeks, I was on some sort of Arabian riding across the desert, riding along the Red Sea. I got to ride around the pyramids. It was, it was <laughs> epic. It was just so cool. I can't wait to go back. I would just get on a plane right now and and fly right back there. So, because I, I love Arabians anyway, they're mm -hmm. they're my favorite breed. So, to be in Egypt and riding an Egyptian Arabian and just galloping across the sand, it was it was awesome. It felt like a dream. Oh, I can't. It's like I can't even imagine how amazing <laughs> that experience is. And Amy shared a bunch of these pictures uh, from some of her different horsey adventures that we've just talked about. That I'll share on the show notes if you want to check it out. And the Egypt picture of you on the horse in the sand is incredible. Like I love that picture. And, you know, you're seeing these different cultures and how they are with horses. Is it, is your experience the same that, that the people love and are connected to their horses as much in these different places as we are here in the U.S.? Or have you, have you seen, you know, what's, it been, what's the horse culture been like for you seeing these different, the way they are in different places? That's a good question. Um, I mean, it definitely varies in different parts of the world. I mean, for instance, you go to, to the Middle East, to a place like Egypt, where, you know, the horses are, they are part of their family. I mean, you go out, one of my dreams is to go do like a week-long trek with the Bedouins or something where, you know, the horses actually like sleep in the tent with them and they're just, you know, it's so a part of their family. And then obviously here in Europe, another huge horse culture, you know, from the little bit that I've seen, it's, you know, they're, they're very well taken care of, you know, a really, a really strong connection there too. So. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I was just, and it, how neat though, as an equestrian to be able to touch these, you know, the different places and the different ways they are with their horses. I wanted to ask this question. I, I obviously know the answer to it, but, but with your books, did you, do you prefer independent publishing or, or traditional publishing? Like how, how did you decide which, which route to go? So when I, after Cut and Run had percolated enough and I felt like I had kind of enough encouragement from people, oh, it's really good. You know, you should try to publish it. So I, I did attempt the traditional route at first. Um, I queried it to quite a few agencies uh, back in 2012. I did have one request from an agency in New York, actually, and they, they were pretty interested in it. But she ultimately decided to pass because she's like, well, I'm just not really sure how I would market it. You know, so 
a little disappointing, but I knew that that wasn't the only option. I also considered a, um, a small independent publisher in Colorado where we were living uh, by that time, but that just didn't really feel right to me either. And this was all kind of around the same time when ebooks were really getting big. So I just, I took a look at Amazon and CreateSpace and there was just a lot about it that appealed to me. I liked that, you know, I had full creative control. Um, you know, I didn't have to collaborate with anybody and well, maybe change this or that. So for me, going the independent route was definitely the right choice. I think there were a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to do, say, for instance, turn it into a series. I mean, if I had a publishing house, right. they would be the ones to make that decision where I had all these people saying, hey, where are the sequels? And I was like, oh, okay. And I can just sit down and write a <laughs> sequel and here you go. So, so there's, for me, it was the right choice. I mean, I definitely admire the authors that have, you know, the, the patience and the persistence that it takes to get in with, with a traditional publisher. I think that's great if you have that drive. Yeah, for me, I, I was um, I was very happy with the every aspect of the, you know, the self-publishing and promoting process. It, it worked fine for me. Yeah, it definitely worked worked well for you. And and it uh, it's, you know, again, it, like you were kind of one of the first ones out there in the equestrian fiction kind of area doing this. And, and you were one of the authors that that I saw at the beginning that said, wow, I can do this too. So you were really out in the front, like at the early days of, of self-publishing and, and eBooks and doing this. So, I mean, that's really awesome. And then your story, like A, you got an answer to your query letter. That is huge. Like that is, yeah. I mean, so many authors go through so much rejection, rejection, rejection. Mm -hmm. That is the norm. So to even get a response to, to a query is, is very, very positive and obviously a testament to your writing. So that's something to be proud of. And, and you just, you talked about the, the nice thing about independent publishing is you, you do all you you're responsible you do all the right things you do all you do everything correctly but you don't have to wait and you don't have to get mm -hmm. pounded with rejection letters over and over and over again like you can just go and retain creative control in your intellectual property and and mm -hmm. actually make a little a little more money if you're an independently published author the royalties are a bit higher so mm -hmm. so it ended up you know again it's like sort of like how the dream led you to cut and run and you just like and then you sat down and you banged out the series it's like it just kind of showed up and you're like okay i'm gonna follow you that's that's what that's where you're telling me to go where how did you develop the that mindset or or is it just something you always had and it was just always naturally there kind of like your love of horses <laughs> I mean, I think to a degree, it, it was always there. I also grew up, I had a lot of friends and family members who I feel were always maybe just a little too cautious or a little too afraid to, to take chances. You know, I mean, not that you want to go out and take, you know, ridiculous risks. I mean, you know, that's, that's the other extreme. I don't know. I, I guess I've just, I, I've tried so many different things. I've lived in so many different places. I've done a lot of different jobs and I just always come back to the idea of well if it doesn't work you can try something else it's like nothing nothing is forever you're not stuck in one place or one situation that that you don't want to be in you you always have the ability to to change your circumstances if you want i've never personally felt really intimidated by by the idea of change because it's like well if you change it and it doesn't work then you can change it again <laughs> i love that those are some great words of wisdom and <laughs> And, and I think thinking that way, you, you have a much fuller 
life experience when you're, you're just kind of thinking that way, Hey, if this doesn't work, I'll just go this way. And, mm -hmm. and it worked out. And I hear a little bit of uh, your main character from the Aspen Eyes series, Rebecca in there, you know, they say that all stories are partly personal and, mm. you know, so, uh, and I asked you if there's a personal connection in your books for you and Rebecca like popped up in, in your response. And I just heard a little bit of her in there. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to just, you know, talk about your, your personal connection to Rebecca and how you're sort of infused her with a little bit. It's a fictional character. This is not mm -hmm. you, but she's still, <laughs> had a little bit of infusion there <laughs> yeah no definitely I mean she she grew up on the east coast like I did you know outwardly is you know pretty tough pretty confident um you know definitely has that about her but uh just has no idea where she's supposed to fit in or where she's supposed to be which is still honestly kind of where I'm at I mean maybe that's why you know I've I've been so many different places because I'm you know maybe still trying to find that that exact spot where I fit in so yeah definitely a, a personal a lot of personal connection to to Rebecca. Life is so do we ever really belong anywhere you know we're constantly evolving and becoming you know different versions of ourselves. I wouldn't go back mm -hmm. to 16 if you paid me. <laughs> you yeah. so keep moving forward. You were my fir very first interview ever on my equestrian author spotlight when I was just doing the written interview questions on the blog. So, you know, you've been supporting me and been an author friend of mine for, for a, a while. And I really, I wanted to ask you these question, this question again, our, you know, podcast interview, because I thought that your response was really great. You know, what are your thoughts on good and bad reviews. Can you, you know, share a little mm. bit for, for authors on, on how to kind of be with, with reviews in general? <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody likes a bad review. Obviously, it always stings a little bit, especially when you have poured your heart and soul into, into this character and into this story for somebody to be like, actually, I didn't like it. It's like, no, but wait, you didn't, you didn't understand. This is what I was, what I was trying to say or what I was trying to do. But I mean, at the end of the day, you, nobody, none of us, no matter how brilliantly we write, nobody can create a story that 100% of people are guaranteed to love. I mean, that's not true with a book. That's not true with a movie, with, with a food, with anything. It's, it's all subjective at the end of the day. You know, when you, when you are writing for you, uh, then you, you are going to gain the kind of you know, fans and followers that, that you want because they get your writing, they get your voice. So, mm -hmm. and those are the people that you want reading your book anyway. So if, if you do get a bad review that trickles in it, as much as you can, just, just let it roll off. Cause there's, you know, for every one person who doesn't get it, you know, there's going to be a lot more people who, who do. And obviously when the good reviews come in, then you just, you just feel great. <laughs> I, I think that that is such great advice, you know, and, and good advice that you gave me early, early on in my, you know, independent, independently published career is to hear, you know, you can't write a product or you can't do anything that hundred percent of people are going to like, either you love it or either they're going to love it or they're, or they're not. And it's, it's mm -hmm. just personal preference. And I think that that is something for authors to continually Remember, right? Write for yourself in the joy mm -hmm. of writing. And if you're creating a product that you love, there will be the right people that, that, that do read it. What has been the hardest part of, of doing this kind of work? The, the hardest part for me is actually just myself and my own writing process. I kind <laughs> of mentioned earlier, it's pretty manic. You know, so that kind of turns me into a crazy person when I'm when I'm really deep into the story. I, I just I have a hard time juggling, you know, my real life, the rest of my life when I'm 
when I'm um, in, in the writing process. What kind of makes me chuckle is there's, there's such a romanticized view of what it's like to be a writer. So, you know, when people ask what I do, especially now that I'm pretty much writing full time, they're like, oh, you're a writer. Just that they get this look on their face. Like you're, I don't know, you're, you're some magical unicorn that just popped out. And I just, I don't have the heart to tell them, well, actually um, I live in a tiny apartment and I sit on an uncomfortable couch and I don't <laughs> sleep or eat for days at a time. That's the reality, um, you know, but that, that just kind of makes me chuckle inside. Cause I'm like, okay, I'll let them, I'll let them keep their vision, you know, of what it's like to, to be a writer, to be an author. So. <laughs> I love that. That is, that is funny <laughs> and, and very true. And, you know, and I think the reason why sometimes that reaction is that way is because writing a book is daunting and a, a big undertaking. And, you know, people think about the entirety of writing a book and they're like, wow, you did that. And it actually is a wow moment. Like when you mm -hmm. have completed a book, there's a pretty big wow factor going on around that. What you, know, I did this, I created something that never existed before. And that's pretty special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. And then I wanted to ask you too, is there uh, anything people, like your readers would be surprised to learn about you? I, I love to ask this question too, because I'm a reader. So it's like, is there anything that might surprise me? I mean, you have a pretty surprising life. But <laughs> I'm terrified of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I am, I am actually, I have, um, I have a horrible phobia of caves. You, you could not pay me to go in a cave. <laughs> that would explain why you are, why you don't mind staying up all night in that manic, you know, writing craze because you don't like the dark. <laughs> that is true. I don't, I don't like the dark. It's, I think it, kind of it was a surprise to me too that i i had such a creative burst for you know about 18 months from cut and run to um to dead heat you know i, I wrote four novels in a year and a half um, mm -hmm. and then i don't know it just it just kind of, i don't want to say dried up isn't quite the right word but everybody's like oh you know when's your next book and when's your next series and i'm like i i kind of just don't really have a solid enough idea. I mean, there's, there's a few little things kicking around in, in my head. Like as, as soon as that, that burst of inspiration came and the floodgate opened and it, it all came out. And then I've just kind of been sitting here like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't particularly have a, an idea for another novel really at, at the moment. I mean, I do have the one series that I started, but I, I don't know. I haven't felt a strong enough pull to, to finish, you know, to finish the, that character's story and journey yet. So mm -hmm. I've been doing more um, online writing. I've been doing some content writing for websites. I do a little travel blogging. And so for now, yeah, for now my focus has kind of shifted away from fiction into that. And it's so interesting to hear that that is, that is your style. It's almost like you're waiting for like that burst or that dream or that, mm -hmm. that something to show up again so you can go into that phase. At least it, you do it fast though. Like at least it isn't a manic you know, like three months thing. Like if, you know, if you're manic for a few months and you produce two books, that's pretty incredible. And sort of just how the muse works, you know, and it's like, yeah. and I know, I know when I'm, you know, with your content writing, you know, working in that lane, that's a kind of different creative brain that you mm -hmm. use instead of like writing fiction. So I, I, what I find is like, I don't, I'm not able to piece that up very well. Like I either need to be creative, creative writing or I need to be business writing, but I can't like mm -hmm. do both randomly is that your experience too yeah it's kind of I feel like one part of your brain is fired up or the other it's yeah it's yeah hard to do both yeah 
Yeah. And you know, like, like we talked about earlier, everybody's got a different style and a different way that they, they work on it. Some people can do that too. So it's just like mm -hmm. kind of interesting dissecting, dissecting the writer's mind and, and sharing openly about like how these processes work. And, and thank you for that. So I have to ask, I mean, you sort of kind of touched on this, but you know, what, what are you, you know, you're curious about maybe where, where the muse will show up for your next book, but like, what else, what else are you curious about? Like what's sort of, and it could be anything like what's, what's next for you? Where are you, where are you thinking about going? Right now I'm curious to see how well my, my really bad high school Spanish is going to hold up <laughs> living, living in Barcelona. I'm definitely hopeful that I'll have more chances for like my, my love of travel and horses and riding to have ways to intersect. You know, I, I dream about maybe having a travel blog that takes off and getting an invitation to start doing, you know, some horse treks in really cool parts of the world that I could write about. Um, that would be like my ultimate dream, you know, go to like Morocco or Mongolia or some really cool place and, you know, go ride across the desert and write about it. Mm -hmm. If I if I were to tackle another standalone novel, I would actually really like to get into historical fiction. Mm. That's something that I've kind of always had as a background goal because I, I love history and I love Europe, especially European history. So I've I've had a few really loose ideas in my mind, either something like World War II era, although there's already a lot of that. I just, I love that time period. I think it was just very romantic. There was so much uncertainty in the world. There's, there's a lot of different time periods in history that I'm really interested in. So I think it would be cool to write a novel that is set in one of those times. It's like, I'm kind of, I'm living in a place where I feel like the inspiration could, could strike at any time. So, so we'll oh. see. For sure. <laughs> and all of that sounds amazing. Like the, uh, the travel blog where you're, you know, doing horseback rides and, and writing about them. That is, oh, that would be a dream. And, and I can so see you doing, doing that. And then the historical fiction novel, I can see that too. But Amy, I have, you know, thank you for the contribution that you have made to my author career. Thank you for the beautiful books that you've written for, for horse lovers. And I really appreciate you uh, being on the show today. Can you share with readers where they can find you and your books online. Um, so you can find my books uh, either as eBooks or paperbacks on Amazon. Uh, I also have an author page on Goodreads and then switching over to uh, my travel blogging and some of my nonfiction, uh, Gypsy Giraffe is my current travel blog. I'm also Gypsy Giraffe on Instagram if you wanna see any of those cool horse pictures and travel pictures. <laughs> Awesome. And I will link to all those places uh, in your show notes so people can get directly to you. And, you know, Amy, you are an inspiration and I, I love following your journey. And I, I love that we get to connect when you when you show when you do come back stateside and, you know, we let we share our love of horses. So so thank you for being on the show today. And I've so enjoyed our conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I am a big fan of your writing as well. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. 
Visit my contact page at carlykidcreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.